Welcome to another In Wheel Time podcast, a 30-minute mini version of the In Wheel Time car show that airs live every Saturday morning, 8 to 11 a.m. Central. Hello, everybody. This is the award-winning car talk show, In Wheel Time, your weekly American go-to all things automotive place. Boy, was that a shot to your next guest. Along with Mike out of this world, Mars, and King Conrad DeLong and Jeffrey Zekin. Don Armstrong here with you. So glad that you could join us today. We've got a fascinating guest coming up. Oh, my gosh. I've been waiting for this all morning long, and we finally get to talk to a gentleman in uh, the old country. Uh, his name is Simon Fixter, and he is... He is with the EMBV 1985 Car Club. It is a pleasure to meet you and see you. But, Simon, before we get going, i got to know, what time is it there? Uh, it's about half past four. Four in the afternoon. It's about six hours. Yeah. Okay, all right, so we didn't get you up. It's not the middle of the night, and you're not too angry with us. Not yet. No, not we just started the interview. <laughs> Give him time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So, Simon, uh, where are you in England? Where am I? Yes. Uh, I'm in a place called New York. Oh. oh. Oh, okay. New York, England? New York, England, yeah. I'll be. I did not know that there was a New York, and, England. And what are you close to? Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Where are you close to? Uh, we're close to Boston. Boston. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That's well, uh, you know, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, doesn't it? pick their names for the East Coast from somewhere, <laughs> yeah, so why not England? Exactly. So, Simon, what is the uh, EMBV 1985 Car Club? Let's start with that. Well, what it basically is, is a, a group that was set up online. Um, it, was, it was started by a friend of mine, and it's, it's basically for enthusiasts of British motor vehicles made before 1985. So it covers, you know, all the models basically up to that point. Basically 100 years of, of British motoring. So we could talk about classic cars in a British kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do, so, do, so do they have to be made in, in, in Great Britain? Yeah, that is, that is solely British manufactured cars. Okay. So, could you tell them what the name of the club actually is? Because I just gave them the initials. Right. Well, the the full title of it is the enthusiasts of the British motor vehicle built before 1985. Okay. <laughs> it rolls off the tongue, really. Yeah. <laughs> yes. it rolls off the tongue right onto the floor. <laughs> yeah. Well, we love the fact that you've got that British sense of humor because we can relate. Trust me. All right. So let's talk about some of the. Uh, models. No, let's talk about the makes of cars because not everybody in the United States knows all the makes and models of your cars built before 1985. Run them, run them down for me, if you will. Well, I think you're familiar enough with things like Austin Healey's and Jaguars, and you know the yes. sort of stuff that got ex exported, um, such as uh, Triumphs. But we also have um, the greater British Leyland products, such as. Austin's, Wolseley's, um, Riley's, um, then we've got Ford Europe. They obviously make a, a, a range of different models that you don't get in America. Um, we've also got um, Vauxhall. They make a lot of stuff. They're, they're part of General Motors. Um, 
there's all sorts of it covers all, all of the sort of smaller models as well we do have the sort of more exotic things like Aston Martins you know and Bristols and things like that but it covers everything from the most humblest family car to the most exotic stuff of Rolls Royces and you know that that sort of thing so are there uh, you know one of the vehicles from over there that we see a lot of is the uh, the cab are the cabs sold outside of just the, the uh, taxi industry? Can people own those as a private vehicle as well? Oh, yeah, you can certainly own those as a, a private vehicle. Um, a friend of mine, uh, he's a customer as well. He's got a, a 1953 London taxi. Oh, how cool which is that? Is, which is an FX3. It's a really nice thing. So uh, what uh, do they still make that taxi? Um, they make a newer version of it. Um, it's, it, it progressed on through the FX4, which is the FX4, to be fair, is the shape that most people know of. Mm -hmm. But it then got superseded and it went on to become a fairway. And then it went, and then there were various other versions of it. And they now make one that looks very similar in frontal styling to the, um, the current Rolls Royce. Oh wow! So, in your club, uh, how do you? What do you guys do to get together? Because I imagine it's pretty widespread across um, uh, across England. But you know, England isn't that. You know, it's not like Texas where you're driving 500 miles to get in. So, how do you guys do your get-togethers? Um, we organise things online. And uh, we will meet at um, various locations, motor museums generally, um, that there are around about. And we'll plan days out and um, we'll meet up there. The club also do some um, tours over some of the picturesque um, drives that there are in Britain. And they go all over the country together. How exciting. It sounds, it, it, because I don't know, it's, I've always wanted to go to the UK, I have not, uh, and looking forward to going there. Uh, but um, I, I, we're curious, what kind of car do you have? Um, I've got quite a few cars. Um, I've got stuff from 1930s through to 1990s. So, yeah, all, uh, I've got about a dozen old cars of my own. So. Do you, I mean, do you all have them all indoors? Uh, you store them indoors? Uh, most of them are indoors, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Do you have a favourite? Um, it would have to be my ex-police Martin Escort estate that I own. It's affectionately known as Aggie. Aggie? Um, Aggie, yeah. Uh -huh. I've had it about, about 20 years now, so. I see. Is that Aggie, is that short for Agnes? No, it, it's just Aggie because the number plate on it starts A-G. Ah, so. <laughs> okay. Okay, very, very nice. Uh, really it, is is it, is it a sports car type? Um, when I bought it, it was a fairly standard car. Um, whether you're familiar with the, the Marlon Escort range that they did, it, it sort of grew to fame in the Fast and Furious films, to be fair. Uh, Paul Walker had one in Fast and Furious 6. And, um, but before that, it was a, a well-known rally car in the UK. And okay. it, it, it won sort of every rally for about 20 years. So quite a, a sort of sporting pedigree. But my Mark 1 Escort is modified. It's got a 1760 crossflow in it. 
It's got, you know, various competition bits and pieces on it. It looks standard from the outside, but it's not. But it's what but we it's, call over here, it's a sleeper. It is a sleeper, yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. So I, I have to tell you that, you know, there are more and more British car shows that are headed our way that I am hooked on altogether. Uh, Wheeler Dealers, I don't even know if uh, you get that over there or not, but um, a couple of guys that uh, do a pretty good job of reviewing, at least recently, uh, American-made cars. They, they relocated the crux of their show out of Los Angeles, but from what I understand, the they're, mo- they're the moving back were, yeah. uh, uh, back to, to the UK, and uh, when they're there, clearly, they do your cars, and I find them all very fascinating. Uh, they fix them up, they buy them cheap, and they sell them for a small profit, and... Um, and uh, I truly uh, enjoy it. Uh, there are several other shows uh, from there. Uh, and the uh, uh, Goblin Works Garage, I like that one. Do you guys get those as well over there? Yeah, we get all of those here, yeah. Yeah, obviously we have um, Wheeler Dealers, there's Goblin Works Garage, there's uh, Car SOS, and there's, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of, of little niche shows here. Now, how about you personally? Have you always been a car guy? Always, yeah. Yeah, I owned my first car when I was eight. Eight? When you were eight. (laughs) What was it? Uh, It was a 1933 Austin 7 Saloon. Oh, wow. So I I guess uh, somebody bought that for you and said, here you go. Um, Well, my father was into vintage cars. Uh, we had a, a vintage car hire company. We used to do weddings when I was uh, from when I was very small. Um, my father's first car was a 1935 Triumph Gloria, his, his first old car. Um, and we did weddings with that. And he just sort of bought more and more cars, added to his collection. And um, that's what he enjoyed up until he unfortunately passed away. So, yeah. Boy, that 1933 Austin 7 Saloon is uh, kind of a small little car um, when you look at it online. We're so used to here in the States, everything's big and massive. Over there, just to fit on the streets have got to be a much smaller footprint on the vehicle as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, um, I actually was last in the States a year ago, almost to the day. And um, it amazes me just how big your parking spaces are. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that. That's one thing to remember. Yeah, I, I would have never guessed an answer like that at no, all. Nope. Yeah. So, so uh, you've also had some cars that have been in movies and things like that. I have indeed. Yeah, I um, I do provide vehicles to uh, the film industry through a company, and um, yeah, I'm lucky enough to work on set, and I'm also driving a lot of my vehicles on in shot as well so so name a couple of your movies um probably the biggest movie that i've had anything in was the last fast and furious franchise film the hobbs and shaw i had a a larder 1200 in it (laughs) a a little russian car whether you're familiar with those no but i'll watch for it now (laughs) oh you 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 won't see much of it you can literally just see a corner of the back bumper and the uh, the the top of the trunk lid. That's about it. But they, was, but they paid you to do it, right? They did. Yeah. Yeah, that they? works. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Dwayne Johnson left his coffee cup inside it for me as well, so that was quite. Oh yeah, there you go, a souvenir. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Going to sell it on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you've got a few other cars that you were telling me about. I have. I can go through the list of the things that I've got if you want. Well, maybe just a couple of them because i got a couple of more questions I want to ask you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've got a 1935 Triumph Gloria of my own. Um, I've got a Morris Commercial C-type truck. I've got a 1947 Rover 12 Sports Tourer as well, convertible. I've got a, a Morris 10, and I've got a 4083 W Utilicon. Um, I've got a Bond Equip. I've got the Mark 1 Escort. I've got a Comma Camper Van. And what, um, what is your daily driver? My daily drive is a 1987 Volvo 240 Estate. That, that's your okay. new, newest car. That's that's the that's square my, the square body <laughs> wagon. <laughs> yeah, that's good old dependable. Yeah. So so I wanted to ask you about the racing. You're you're you've been racing for what? Did you tell me twenty years? I I used to race. Yeah, I mean I, I retired a couple of years ago from from doing it full time, but I did banger race for 27 years. Banger race, which we would call hoopties over here or, uh, you know, crash and burns or whatever. Demolition I mean, derby. Ju- yeah, junk cars. Well, not junk yeah. cars, but but they, they've seen uh, their better days, and those are the fun ones that you really don't have to worry about scratch and dents. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I because obviously I do classic cars for a living, um, you know, both restoring them and, and hiring to the uh, film companies. Um, they were only ever cars that were no good for doing anything else with. They were only, you know, beyond realistic restoration or, or parts cars for other cars I was restoring. So, yeah, they, they were, nothing good was harmed, I can assure <laughs> you. Well, <laughs> what kind of a track do you race these on? Uh, I race those on short oval. They're quarter of a mile short ovals that we have here. Are they asphalt or dirt? Um, both. Both. Okay. We, we have asphalt and we have uh, shale. We 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 have here. So yeah. Right. Yeah. So so like our demolition derbies generally they're they're in kind of a confined space and everybody kind of lines up and kind of picks goes, a target. Yeah, picks a target. But and they this go after is it. but he's uh, he's racing oval track. Right, he, so this is a little bit different. Yeah, this isn't demolition, but this is just driving what well, you guys call it, bangers. We'd call beaters. Yeah, yeah well, they're, they're also full contact. So you you are actively smashing each other out of the way at speeds up to about 60 miles an hour. Oh, how fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, we're into that. We, yeah. We're, we'll this sign up for that. Demolition Derby at speed. At speed. That's exactly right. How much fun would that be? Until you, well, you hit something hard. Yeah. Here we, we, have, um, here we have things called jacking trains. And, um, you know, if a, car's, if a car's stationary at the end of the straight and it's somebody you don't like, you just drive flat out into the back of it. <laughs> we call that a highway out here. Yeah, we, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, how much fun is that? Now, now, is it a series? You go to different tracks? Uh, how does that work? Yeah, you can race. You can race both nationally right across the UK or internationally because the sport's very popular in Holland as well. So a lot of people, you know, go across the 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 water. And go and race in Holland, and and Dutch drivers come over here and race as well. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 really quite. Uh, it's the international it's race of bangers. Bangers, that's right. <laughs> so you transport your vehicle over on a ferry. 
Yeah, yeah, that's how most of them take their cars over, yeah. Take it on the channel. No. Not the channel. They don't go to the channel. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. So, uh, I guess we're invited. I'm just inviting myself. So, next time we're you over in New, in New York, the UK, that uh, I'll be invited to stop by and see the shop. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, anytime you're over, come and check us out. So do, you, do, you, do you ever make your way over to Texas? I've never been to Texas yet. No, I've only been to the states twice, and that's to Florida. So. Okay, well, you're going. Right. To- Everything's bigger in Texas because the parking spaces are bigger here than they are in Florida. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the bigger trucks. So, what is the name of the business that you you have? What's the name of the business? Yes, sir. Uh, Fixer Automotive. That's what it is. So, that, so the but pictures I, you sent. I'm only a one man. Yeah. Okay. Because some of the pictures he sent that uh, that we were looking at. Or, or from the banger races, and that's what it says, Mister Fix in big letters, sir. And then, uh, so it was pretty cool. Well, yeah, you know, I, I, I was I was known as Mister Fix It throughout my. I want to know. I want to know how far you are from Buckingham Palace. Uh, from Buckingham Palace, we are about a hundred and thirty miles, I would say. And he did it in miles for you. He, Thank you. He's Thank converted, you. converted it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No. But, we, we, we are obviously in miles. We don't do kilometers here. Oh, okay. Really? <laughs> well, Simon, it is a, a true honor and pleasure to talk to you uh, over there. And uh, we, we hope that we're going to get together again here on our show and uh, exchange some thoughts and, and talk about racing and, and some more uh, collector cars that you have. Thank you very much. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank All right. you. All right. Well, we hope to talk to you again. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon. Simon Fixter. With, that uh, is so his, cool. Yeah. Well, I think it's with the EMVB 1985 <laughs> Car Club in New York, Lincolnshire, England. Wow. That's Say mouthful. that again. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> We've got to go to break. <laughs> no, we don't. Oh, okay. No, we're just going to mosey motor on. on. We're going to motor on. Time now for uh, Conrad's Car Clinic, because we are kind of uh, wrapping up the day. So let's let's get on with the car clinic. Well, what makes your change oil light come on besides the bulb in there? <laughs> no oil. Yeah. Well, is that strictly a, a miles thing? No, it's a, it's a combination of things. Today's modern day vehicles have this oil life monitoring system that uses a bit of a complex algorithm to calculate the wear and tear on your oil. And I always thought use. it was like a little eyeball down there in the. Uh, in there is no. Uh, optical uh, view of the oil in them. What it does is it looks at engine load, oil temperature, engine temperature, your average vehicle speed, ambient conditions, and throws all that into a computer calculation to tell you when it's time to change the oil. So it's just like it's just an algorithm that just calculates. Where you been and how fast you went. Correct. Yeah. And the same thing with huh. any computer program, garbage in, garbage out. So, you know, there's a, there's a few pros and cons to oil life monitoring system. We'll start with the pros. It does, to a large degree, maximize the oil change interval uh, where, you know, the oil life monitor determines the frequency of the oil change for each individual's driver's driving habits and makes adjustments to when it 
the light comes on. So an aggressive driver is going to have the light come on a little bit more often. The granny driver is going to actually even have the light come on even more often than that because the vehicle never gets up to to road speed, never gets up to temperature Mm -hmm. long enough to burn out the water in the oil. So all of that's in the computer calculation, you know. And the other thing is it remembers the oil change for you. Yeah, technology is great. You no longer have to remember the mileage, though the place you do oil change should be putting that sticker on your windshield i take that off do you really it bothers I, the heck out of me I, I i wouldn't i'd leave it on because one of the things about oil life index <laughs> is it's going to tell you when your oils wore out based on those computer algorithms or at least close to when the oils wore out so when that light comes on go change your oil don't wait and say oh i can wait another couple of thousand miles because the computer's already thinking that your oil's done all it's going to do. And you got to remember, if you broke it down to three things, your oil cools, cleans, and lubricates. And when it stops doing those three things, that's when engine damage can occur. And that engine damage can be as simple as uh, gums and sludge build up inside the engine to more catastrophic failures and stuff. You know what else you do during an oil change? Have your tires rotated. Always have your tires rotated. And that's one of the problems with the oil life index because some vehicles that oil life index light might not come on until eight nine ten thousand miles and if you're waiting for a ten thousand mile tire rotation you've waited twice as long as you should you should get your tires rotated about every five and that's one of the things the manufacturers have learned is these long oil change intervals they're doing is causing tire damage uh, and tire cupping because customers are only bringing it in one time for the oil change and tire rotation at eight nine ten thousand miles and they've already done a lot of cupping on the tires so you know um when you turn all of these things together, that computer is making an assumption of when the oil should be changed. And, you know, we know what happens with assumptions. Um, you know, one of the things that people don't know on their vehicle, if you go read your owner's manual, it says to check your oil level every time you fill up with gas. Remember when the car, when uh, you drove in, it went ding, ding, like the opening of the show. The, you could trust your car with the man who wears the star. He'd come out and check your oil level for you. Uh, well, that's not happening anymore. And vehicles do burn a certain amount of oil just normally. BMWs. And as they're burning oil, if you're not checking your level and you're going on an extended oil change, you can run low and, in some instances, run so low, you could cause catastrophic engine failure. And the engine oil light won't come on. And you're from right. New York. Don't, well, they have, don't they have in New Jersey, it's required that you have to have somebody pump Yeah, you're gas? not allowed. New Jersey and Oregon, there is no such thing as self-serve uh, gas stations. And I'm not real sure if it's because the state wants to or because people from New Jersey just don't have the IQ to put their own <laughs> and i'm a new yorker so i can say that yeah. so again but my my words of wisdom check your oil often make sure that the level is correct i'm not a fan of oil life index lights personally so i live on a 5,000 mile oil change interval because i know i'm changing the oil before it's wore out as opposed to the oil life index that's waiting for the oil to based on the computer wear out and then replace the oil. So, but he hasn't uh, had his truck for sixty thousand know, miles. It's, it's all up to you. <laughs> 
what you want to do. But just make sure your engine stays full of oil if you're not checking the oil often enough. Well, I just got my oil changed in the Corvette. Mm-hmm. Carolina did it, Yeah, she, she did. Mm-hmm. And I guess that she added uh, MOA. Motor oil additive, yep. PG's uh-huh. MOA, and that because gives you I, a lifetime protection I pulled the dipstick plan. out, and it looks kind of honeyish, honey-colored. Yeah, yeah, the the MOA didn't do that. That's she put just caramel the oil. in there. It's just the oil that's in it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> a little caramel. A little. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but it's real interesting because I, I told my granddaughter, I have a new one that's driving. She just turned 16, and so she's driving. And, and I was explaining about the oil. You know, every time you put gas in it, and you get this look like, huh? Well, what? you know that where, where's the where's the check knob? Well, it's not just the it's not just the dipstick. It's how do I open the hood? A lot of customers <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. A lot of customers don't necessarily know how to open the hood. And you said BMW. Do you know new BMWs don't even have a dipstick? Yeah, it's a sealed system. It's a totally sealed system. You have to take it to the dealer. Well, you can go. They they can you can read it on the key fob or you can read it in the dash. And actually, they have a level indicator, an optical indicator of the level of oil, but it's not about the quality of oil. So you know, pay attention. And don't Some- you go changing it because you can avoid a lot of stuff. Don't oh, yeah. go changing to try to please me. A couple of news stories before we go. And I mentioned this earlier. Uh, emerging news on Wednesday that Bruce Springsteen was arrested for DWI last fall <clears throat> threatens to derail Jeep's marketing push that makes use of the rock icon. Brand shot the commercial in late January, and it remained active on Jeep's YouTube channel until it was pulled Wednesday afternoon. It had garnered more than 37 million views. Uh, Jeep luring Springsteen for the ad was a big get, considering he has notoriously shunned starring in commercials of any kind. 20-something years or something. Yeah, he's he's not a commercial guy. Right. VW uh, and Microsoft expanding their cooperation involving the U.S. software giant's cloud technology to include speeding up delivery of automated driving. So there is a connection that you never thought would ever happen. Uh, U.S. appeals court on Thursday declined to further delay the extradition to Japan of two men charged with helping former Nissan Motor Company chairman Carlos Gosen flee the country. The order by the first U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Boston clears the way for U.S. Army Special Forces veteran Michael Taylor and his son Peter Taylor to be handed over to Japan after the U.S. State Department approved their extradition. Taylors were arrested in May at Japan's request. Prosecutors say the Taylors helped Gosen flee Japan on December 29th, 2019, hidden in a box on board a private jet before reaching his childhood home, Lebanon, which has no extradition treaty with Japan. You know, it's a successful show when, you, when we keep talking about Nissan and Gosen. Uh, you know it's successful. <laughs> Prosecutors said the elder Taylor, a private security specialist, and his son received $1.3 million for their services. So you hear General Motors and Navistar, the Class 8 truck company, are joining together to test uh, hydrogen fuel cell trucks with J.B. Hunt. Okay, well, that ought to go over real well. I'm sure they'll sell a million dollars worth of that. We'll be right back. Uh-oh, sorry, that's the wrong one. <laughs> Tailpipes and Tacos is Houston's premier cruise-in, and you're invited to join in. Whether you're a cruiser or spectator, Tailpipes and Tacos is the place to enjoy made-to-order breakfast tacos, fresh coffee, and mingle with Houston's fun car people. Mark your calendar for Saturday, February 20th for Tailpipes and Tacos at the Loopy Tortilla Mexican Restaurant in Katy, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Tailpipes and Tacos is free, and everyone's invited. 
You'll see collector cars, hot rods, customs, magnificent originals, and resto mods all at one location. Cars from all over Southeast Texas cruise in and show off in a friends and family event at the Lupi Tortilla Mexican Restaurant on the Grand Parkway at Kingsland Boulevard just south of I-10 in Katy. Drag racer, car enthusiast, and Lupi founder Stan Holt brings you Houston's hottest cruise-in, tailpipes and tacos, Saturday, February 20th, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. at Lupi's in Katy. The in-wheel time car show will be there, too. Get your ride ready, and we'll see you at the Tailpipes and Tacos Saturday morning cruise-in, February 20th, 8 to 11 a.m. at Loopy's in Katy, weather permitting. Is your business or company looking to stand out in a crowded advertising market? Looking to reach the real auto enthusiast? You found it. You're listening or watching In Wheel Time, and so are your fellow enthusiasts. The In Wheel Time car show now reaches half a million, and we can put together a marketing plan that will engage them in your product, business, or service. To get the tires rolling, just shoot us an email to our marketing director, Jeff Zekin. His address is jeff at nwheeltime.com. See, there you go. You got to got to see Jeff in person right there. You there. Go. need more Jeff. Well, that's it for this episode of the In Wheel Time Car Show. Hey, when you're on Facebook, please give us a like, tell your friends about us, and share our junk. You'll get Conrad's unicorn hunting features along with all things automotive all week long. The In Wheel Time Car Show streams on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and on InWheelTime.com. Podcasts are available on Pandora, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeart Podcast, Google Podcast, Podcast Addict, Pandora, and Amazon. Special thanks to all of our guests today. The In Wheel Time Chief Engineer is the fabulous David Hainsley. Mm. <laughs> our video sales and marketing man is that man, Jeffrey Zekin, who you just saw. This week's In Wheel Time Car Show is produced and directed by Mark Goodson, Bill Todman Production. <laughs> the booking agent and podcast man, Mike Out of This World Mars, and his royalty, King Conrad DeLong. I'm Don Armstrong saying so long for now, and we hope that you'll join us on the next live show at the Tailpipes and Tacos Cruise Inn at the Loopy Tortilla Mexican Restaurant in Katy. Next Saturday, 8 to 11 Central Time, right here on the Smoke and Mirrors Network. Thanks for being part of the In Real Time family. Mask up, stay healthy, and get that damn shot already. So long for now, everybody. That's it for this podcast episode of the In Wheel Time Car Show. I'm Don Armstrong, inviting you to join us for our live show every Saturday morning, 8 to 11 a.m. Central on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and our InWheelTime.com website. Podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart Podcast, Podcast Addict, TuneIn, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Keep listening, and we'll see you soon.